Well, good evening and welcome to the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. Can you find another show that will give you a 22 to 1 winner and an 80 to 1 second? Yes, we've got all the usual guests here, Colin Brown's here, Dave Wilson's here, Rob Millman will be here, as will Jamie Snowden. So, sit tight, get your coffee going, get your pad and pen out, and let's see if we can find some winners for tomorrow. Well, good evening and welcome to tonight's show. Hands up those of you who picked up on Rod Millman's comments last week and also Jamie Snowden's. Because if you did, you would have had an 80 to 1 each way chance in the Super Sprint. And he came second. And Piscard Pike won at Cartmel at 22 to 1. So you can't say we don't give you the winners. Anyway, after going on about our winners, let's go on with the rest of the show. And as usual, we'll start with the Racing News with Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's edition of the Racing News. With all the news that is the news across the racing media. That includes Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Patton and here's this week's first story. Oakley Brown, who won the Air Bronze Cup at the age of 16 in 2018, has quit the saddle after, quote, falling out of love with racing. Injuries, falls and struggles and his weight have disillusioned Brown, now 20, who switched to riding over jumps after a flying start to his career as an apprentice on the flat. He rode several winners as a conditional for Joseph O'Brien in Ireland, but has found it hard since breaking his wrist and several ribs when a horse reared over the top of him at Hexham last year. Brown said, I've loved my time in racing, but it's not for me any more. I've had a few injuries in the last year, and I stopped getting rides. I wasn't making money, I was riding only once every two weeks, and I fell out of love with it. I didn't want to go racing any more. He continued, I'm off travelling to Australia for six months and then America for another six, and I'll probably take over my dad's business when he retires. He has a renewable energy company, but I'm only 20. I'm still young, and I'll see what I want to do. Brown started out as a prolific winner in pony races before joining Richard Fahey in his hometown of Morton, landing the Bronze Cup on Lucky Lucky Man. He recalled, I had a bit of luck. My second ride was a winner at York, and I had another winner the next day, and I thought, this is easy. I won the bronze cup for my dad's best mates, and they all drink in the same pub. And that was a special day, though it seems a lifetime ago now. But I always wanted to go jumping. I've known Mark Dwyer all my life, and I had a few rides in England, and then went to Ireland. I had around 200 rides and 20-odd winners, and I rode a lot of good horses for good trainers. But I had a few bad falls, and Joseph O'Brien started to move more towards the flat. Things picked up initially for Brown when he returned to Britain last year. 
He said, I rode out my seven-pound claim and had a double the next day. But a few weeks later, a horse landed on top of me at Hexham. That knocked me out all summer and I put on a lot of weight. I came back and had a pretty good spell. But I had a few more bad falls and kicks and they didn't half make you think. I love racing and I always wanted to be a jockey, but I couldn't live how I was. My weight wasn't great towards the end and I had an awful diet. As much as I loved it, I wasn't enjoying it any more. I ride out the odd time now if Mark Dwyer wants a hand, but I don't really want to be in a racing yard right now. And next, here on the Racing News. Ralph Beckett has confirmed Colin Keane will keep the ride on King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Kipco Stakes favourite Westover on Saturday. Rob Hornby rode the horse to finish third in the Kazoo Derby after meeting trouble in running, but Keane then partnered the exciting son of Frankel to a seventh-length victory in the Irish Derby, and Ireland's champion jockey will again be on board at Ascot. The three-year-old is a best price 5-4 to four for Britain's premier middle-distance Group 1 after his Epsom conqueror Desert Crown was ruled out of the race. Speaking at Newbury on Saturday, Beckett said, We've three jockeys we use regularly, Ross Orion, Rob Hornby and Hector Crouch, and everybody knows if an owner wants to use someone else, that's the way it works. That's the way it is. We don't have a stable jockey, and there's really nothing more to add than that. All parties understand that. Beckett does not think Keane will ride the horse again before Ascot, and added, We're only a week away, and he's done all his serious work. On Westover, he said, I'm very happy with him, and we're looking forward to it. It's a great shame the Derby winner isn't showing up. I think that's really unfortunate for the race. It's the midsummer highlight. I grew up on Shergar and Ella Manamau. It's important for the race that the best horses show up. A twist of fate means Emily Upjohn, who missed her flight to Ireland to contest Saturday's Dudamont Irish Oaks, won by Magical Lagoon, could now go to Ascot. Beckett added, That certainly adds to it. I'm looking forward to it, and I don't see the ground being an issue, as Ascot will be putting plenty of water on. A look at the running for King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Kipco Stakes. Paddy Power has um, 6-5 for Westover, 9-4 for Emily Upjohn, 4s for Mishriff, 9 for Torquator Tasso, 12 for Broom Piledriver, and 20 for Alan Kerr with 25 bar. And next, here on the Racing News. Ralph Beckett has said trainers needed to make a statement after being asked what drove the boycott of the final race at Newbury on Saturday. On Thursday, none of the 13 entries for a one-mile, two-furlong novice for Phillies age three and older were declared. Newbury's seven race card was subsequently reduced to six because of the poor prize money offered. Beckett, who is president of the National Trainers Federation, explained it was not a planned boycott, but a stand had to be made. It happened very easily, he said. Originally, the race was worth £5,300, which I think makes it the least valuable Phillies novice race run this year. It's now worth 6500 If there were any runners, that would have made it the joint second least valuable, Beckett told ITV Racing. Newbury's prize money has been derisory for some time, and it's not just at this level. Newbury said they would increase prize money in 2017, long before the pandemic. 
It may happen, but it doesn't help us trainers right now. We have to start buying yearlings next month. He continued. Coming up, there are three six furlong group twos. The Richmond is worth £150,000, the Jim Crack £250,000, and the Mill Reef is worth £75,000. The problem is from top to bottom. The racecourses don't want to reduce race volume, which means we can go wherever we want, and effectively we voted with our feet. Earlier in the year, racing's leaders shelf plans to reduce the 2023 race programme by around 300 races, and Beckett believes the statement made at Newbury is a strong one. He said, The RCA, that's the Racecourse Association, chose not to reduce race volume. They voted against it, he said. The trainers voted to reduce it only last month, yet the BHA went with a section of racecourses that jumped up and down most. It's part of a wider picture. It's not just about individual races. It's part of what needs to happen, and urgently. If the BHA and the RCA aren't prepared to do anything about it, then trainers are. Responding to the news of the boycott on Thursday, Newbury's chief executive, Julian Thick said the race course was transparent with funding for prize money and referred to the fact the track would increase its purses next year thanks to a new media contract. And finally, on this week's racing news. A crowd around the 16,000 mark packed into Newbury with chart topper Craig David due to perform after racing and you could have been forgiven for thinking most of them were crammed into the winner's enclosure after a well-received victory for Eddie's boy. The long-standing dash, device for horses who cost no more than £63,000 when bought at certain sales, is seen as an opportunity for the everyday owner, and owners rarely come more every day than those involved in Midland Park's racing syndicates. In the Archie Watts trained Eddie's boy, the operation, whose light blue and orange silks have become almost as recognisable as some of the sport's superpowers, have a likeable sprinter who was given a bold rail-hugging ride by Holly Doyle to win by a commanding two and a quarter lengths from 80 to one outsider Woolhampton. This was not Watson's first fancy two-year-old prize of the year, as he also captured the Coventry Stakes at Royal Ascot with the talented Bradsell. He said, It's the first year we've had horses for Midland Park, and all three have won, and this lad's won a super sprint, so it's going well. I think this race was a selling point when they were selling shares in him, that he'd be a super sprint horse. He's a bit lazy at home, so we thought he might be a six furlong horse, and he was probably taking the mickey out of us a bit, and he was working with Bradsell, who is a very good horse. Eddie's boy also ran at the Royal Meeting, finishing third in what is turning out to be a Windsor Castle that could be as hot as the day's soaring temperatures. He then ran in a listed contest at Sandown, and Watson, who was happy for Doyle to make use of a handy draw in stall 21, added, I think the Windsor Castle was a better race than the Norfolk. At Sandown, he was a bit intimidated by the winner against the rail, so I thought the quick five here, with plenty of room, would be ideal. The one thing I didn't want was to be trapped against the rail, but as soon as nothing was able to come forward, it was straightforward for Holly. She kicked him in the belly a long way out, and he's responded. He was very tough. Regarding future plans, the recently married 33-year-old said, He's very quick. So we'll consider the Malcolm, but we'll see how he is.
He continued, There's also the Flying Childers, and he's in the Nunthorpe. Tom Paling of Midland said, He'd be scratched if he didn't run well today, but he has run well. You can say that again. This has been this week's Racing News with me, Mike Padden, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post, and of course the Sporting Life. Thanks for listening and join us again next time here on the Racing News. That was the Racing News with Mike Padden from all the racing media outlets. And now let's see where we can go racing this weekend. Well, there are seven races on the flat at Newcastle on the all-weather with a one o'clock start. Seven races on the flat at Newmarket on the July course with a 1.27 start. Seven races on the flat at Ascot with a 1.50 start. Seven races on the flat at York, 2.05 start. Seven races on the flat at Salisbury with a 5.25 start. And seven races on the flat at Lingfield on the all-weather with a 5.40 start. And Sunday... There are seven races on the all-weather at Chelmsford with a one o'clock start. Eight races at Utoxeter with a one twenty start. And seven races at Pontefract with a one forty-five start. As you know about now, we normally have a chat with one of our in-conversation guests, and this week's no different. We're going to speak to Mick Fitzgerald now about what life was like after racing and as he got into television work bearing in mind your comment that you know you you had a you didn't know how you were going to keep your family because you know obviously riding was your life at that point um it must have come as a, a huge relief that at the races came along and said yeah we've got we've got a job for you yeah um without doubt you know the two two guys really george Irvine and rob Dakin, uh put a lot of faith in me and you know and backed me and i was very lucky and I worked for the BBC at the time as well. Yeah. Uh, there was a really good guy called Steve Doherty, who was a director, who I learned plenty from. Dermot Comiskey was the, the producer at the BBC. You know, I was very fortunate that I met a lot of people who who helped me along the way. You know, I, I look back on some of that stuff that I did in my early years working on TV, and it was rubbish. <laughs> so... You know, they were extremely paid, but I'd like to think that I've learned from it, and I'd like to think that in my appraisals now, I'm honest, without being, you know, aggressively negative about yeah. people or horses. But it must have, you know, all the experience that you've gained from 1,300 winners or more than 1,300, and all those races that we just talked about just now... Um, that must have given you so much huge experience that you, I would have thought you'd be nailed on for the job. And, you know, there aren't many people around that could, could do it any better than you in terms of experience. Well, yeah, but just because you're experienced in something doesn't mean you're going to be good at it. So, well, no, but so, it, you've got the knowledge, and for sure, I suppose it's just a question of learning how to present it. Yeah, well, that's, that's very true. But, you know, not everybody's able to do that. I'm still learning all the time, so... You know, I like to think that every time that I go out to do the job that I learn something new and, you know, like to think that we can give something back that means that when somebody watches racing that they learn something. So, you know, that's my role when I work for ITV. It's also my role when I work for Sky Sports mm. Racing. You know, I'm doing my best to educate the people that are watching. One thing I can never quite understand, I mean, 
I'm a great football fan amongst other things and you know you would never get uh, I'm just trying to think of an example um, Martin Tyler for example on ITV sorry on Sky would never yeah. would never appear doing commentary on the BBC because he's a Sky man now yeah. you're an ITV man and yet yeah. there doesn't seem to be any any barrier for you to be able to do it on, on racing TV or at the races or whatever I find that no. strange yeah, but I think that's because uh, there used to be a time when you couldn't have a crossover. Yeah. But the way uh, contracts work nowadays, a lot of it is freelance work. Like you look at Gary Neville. Yeah. And Roy Keane. You know, both of them work for ITV and Sky. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's no problem now. I think, you know, it just means that you can be one or the other, you can't, you don't have to pick, which, you know, just means for me, like, I love racing. I love good racing. Yeah. And with the two jobs that I have, I get the best. Yeah, you do. <laughs> racing every day can't be bad. But uh, I see you also do, you, you do work with the uh, British Racing School co coaching young young aspiring jockeys I mean how did you get to, to get involved in that obviously a question of putting your experience through again yeah absolutely you know they asked me was I interested and I jumped at the chance like I had quite a lot of help from Yogi Breisner who was the British equestrian coach during <coughs> uh, my period like I said Terry Billicum helped me a lot when I was struggling and I now work with, I've got 10 young riders on my books and I speak to them most days and you know we'll chat about future rides, we'll chat about rides that they've had and try and give them a little bit of an edge yeah. make them better Are they all landborn based or are they dotted, no. dotted no. around? All dotted around really Yeah. Have you come across a guy called Ben Godfrey? Yes, I've seen him a lot, yeah. Yeah, because he, he lives in the village where my wife used to live. So, uh, well, oh, well and, and Sally come to that. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a small world, really, isn't it? But uh, yes. looking at some of your quotes here, this this is brilliant, isn't it? You've written an autobiography calling it Better Than Sex, my autobiography. I think that's classic. Brilliant. It, I'm, I haven't read it yet, so I've got that one on my list to come. But I have read... Um, Tony McCoy's book, and I mean, would you say that that you know, although you didn't get as many winners, I mean, who hell could get as many winners as he got? But but nonetheless, the you know the way he led his life it seems to me the way that a lot of you jockeys do the same thing. Yeah, like the thing with AP was he was driven, um, and he was driven by that ambition to be champion jockey, mm. and. You know, he was a he was a brilliant rider, and he was the great thing about AP is he set very high standards. Yeah, and all of the lads coming through now, they know that if they want to be good, they've got to they've got to attain that standard that he set, and it's a pretty high bar. Nobody is anywhere near it yet, and you know that that shows you the dedication, the amount of hard work, and determination that's required to succeed if he had it yeah yeah T tell me about itv racing because that does seem to be um 
Well, it's 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 a, a really nice bunch of people you seem to be anyway, and uh, you know everybody seems to get on. You have a good laugh as much as anything else. But the program, I think, is second to none. I think it's brilliant the way you present it. Yeah, no, I think Ed Chamberlain deserves a lot of credit for that. He's a he's a very good conductor of the orchestra almost, and he's very keen to get people to come out of themselves, make their points, contribute to the program, make it better, and above all else, he sets high standards himself, and he likes everybody else to try and reach those standards themselves. So, mm. you know, he's a he, you know, he's a grafter, Ed, and mm. he plays a huge part in getting people to express themselves. That was ITV Racing's Mick Fitzgerald talking to me enjoying one of our in-conversation shows. Well, now it's time for us to ring round all our usual correspondents and guests on the show. And we're going to start off with Rod Millman down at Columpton, who had a fantastic run from his horse in the Super Sprint last week. Morning, Rod. Thanks for joining us. Um, are you still on cloud nine after the Super Sprint? Well, it was a, it was a good result. Um, very close second and a full of finish. I mean... A yard before the line, we were in third, and, he, and on the line, we actually were in front. So it was very close, but um, great result for the owner. Um, yeah. You know, it's 40 yards for second prize, which was really good. Yeah. Same we couldn't have won, but we were trying hard, and um, she ran above, above expectations, really. You must have been sort of thinking, God, is it going to happen again? I mean, it's only two years since uh, Betty's Hope won it. It would have been fantastic for you if it had won. Yeah, well, no, it was, it's been a very lucky race for us, and. Um, you know, we, we always buy horses with that in mind when we buy some of them, some of them you know. Yeah. And um, we had two in the race. The other horse finished 10th, so he won £2,000 prize money. So, um, no, it was very good. It's, it's like buying a lottery ticket. Um, there were originally sort of, I think, 350 horses entered, and the final field was down to 20. And to have the horse finish second in it is quite a good result. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, we're talking on Wednesday. Let, let's talk about Saturday. You've got um, one, two, three, three runners uh, um, declared for Saturday. Are they all going to go, do you think? Um, no, I've got um, just Cooper Mistress at Sandown Saturday. She, she will run, all being well. Yeah. Oh, yes, so I have got three, yes. Um, we'd like a bit of rain for Mountain Ash at Salisbury. Yeah. And Madam Pickle will run. Anyway, whatever happens, she'll run there. She needs her third run to get a handicap marked. So of those three, which is the most likely? Cuban mistress? Uh, well, she's running in a group three, um, so that would be very hard to win. But um, if she was lucky enough to win that race, they would put probably £200,000 on her value. Really? Yeah. Um, she's worth a fair bit there anyway, but if she won a group three, she'd be worth a lot of money. Oh. Well, so, best of um, luck on that one. We'll be trying very hard. She's She's... Her form's very good. She actually beat the Super Sprint winner last time she ran. Uh, she was second in the Super, Super Sprint winner was third. So um, it's just unfortunate. If she could have run in the Super Sprint, she would have had a good chance of winning, winning it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell me, Rod, this, this, I mean, it looks like it's stopped for the time being, but this extreme heat, what sort of problems does that pose a trainer with horses in, in this sort of weather? Um, well, to be honest, it hasn't really caused too much problems. We've been starting an extra hour, hour early, yeah. and ride, riding the horses out before it gets too hot. Um, we haven't really had a serious problem, really, to be honest. And the horses we've travelled on the races, they've all run well. And we leave extra early, so we're not travelling through the main mm. part of the day. 
Yeah. But, um, you know, it hasn't really been any been a serious problem at all. Do, I mean, do horses you know, like heat or, 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 you know, does it They're get... like us. Well, they're like us. They like a bit of heat, but not too much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, anyway, it's long. It's probably finished now, so that'll be it now for this summer. <laughs> but we have we have drizzle here at the moment, so it is it is temperature's gone down a little bit. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, Rob. Well, look, thanks for joining us. Um, brilliant, brilliant uh, weekend for you. Let's hope you have another one this weekend and uh, a group three on the uh, on the old CV would be lovely, wouldn't it? It would be good. Well, we're on. We've won nearly two hundred fifty thousand this year already, so it's been a good year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's continue that way until the end, then. That's right. That's lovely. OK. OK, Rod, thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you Thank next you. week. Well, that was Rod Norman down in Cullumpton, still basking in the glories of the Super Sprint from last weekend. And somebody else who had a pretty good weekend is Jamie Snowden as well. Afternoon, Jamie. Um, I'm just looking at your record again, and I tell you what, from the 10th to the 16th, it goes 4th, 2nd, 2nd, 1st, 2nd, 1st. You know, you really, I, I, I said, this is exactly what I said last week, but I mean, it, it just, it keeps going, doesn't it? It's amazing. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're very kind. No, we, we've, we've had a, we've had a nice week. It's, um, obviously there's, there's not a huge amount of racing around at the moment, but thankfully the ones that have run have, have, have run really well. And I yeah. suppose to, to cap it, to cap it off the, um, you know, to see Piscard Pike winning the, the, the big hurdle race of the summer at Market Racing on Saturday was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to come to him. I mean, uh, you know, have you heard the one about the the radio presenter who presents a racing show and he gets all these tips given to him and he never bothers to back them? <laughs> what a mug punter he is, by the way. Because not only oh, you, dear, dear. Rod Melman comes on as well, and of course he had the second in the in the Super Sprint at Newbury, and his was eighty to one. Well, you imagine if I'd have done a each way double on those two? God. Uh, you know, if you listen to every tip you were given, you'd end up a poor man, I think. Yeah, well, that's that is the problem, obviously, because you know we speak to a lot of people on the show of various types, and they all they all coming up with them. I mean, today we got uh, not today. I mean, um, Saturday we've got the uh, the King George, for example, and I've I've just had Richard Phillips on, um, and I've got Colin Brown coming on soon, and then of course um, we've also got Simon Holt from the Racing Post, so. You know, we've got plenty of people who'll be coming up with all sorts of variations. You'll, 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 you'll be kicking, you'll be kicking me off your show soon, Eddie. You've got too many, too many famous people. Ah, no, but we've now got this guy called Jamie Snowden, who's a star of television. I saw you on the telly, <laughs> looking very laid back. You were there talking to people. Yeah, a bit, a bit scruffy, I think, is probably the answer. It was a bit warm. Yeah, I know. I'm, I don't blame you. I mean, crisis. Uh, yeah, it was warm. But, uh, but I mean, go back to Pisco Pike. I mean, you know. How unexpected was it, or did you? I mean, I know you—you you, you always confident it's one of your horses, obviously. But I mean, did you? What did you think when he went into the race? So this had been the plan for 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 a while, actually. Um, we we he he'd, he'd finished second in a listed race up at Market Raisins several years ago, and um, and we always thought that this kind of race would would suit him. Yeah. Um, we went chasing last last summer. Um, he, he likes the better grounds. So he's a summer horse. We went chasing last summer, and he did win a couple of small novice chases there. But um, he was always—he's always a better hurdler than chaser. He lacks a little bit of scope for chasing. So certainly at the back end of last season, we, we wanted to have him right for, for this race. Um, and uh, after a, after a, a winter holiday, we gave him a, another wind up. He had a little pipe opener over fences at Newton Abbott um, about six weeks ago, and and uh, and that that put him right to, to come here. So. It was always it was always the plan. Um, we thought he was quite nicely handicapped still, and 
um, it, it was just fascinating that, you know, having having started at, I don't know, I think he opened up at about eight to one. He drifted all the way out to 22s in the end. So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, that's 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 the way it goes sometimes. Well, did you have a few quid on? Uh, I didn't. I don't bet, actually. Um, so, uh, no, I, I didn't. Well, you're a mug punter as well. <laughs> that, that's probably right. That's probably right. But, um, but Gavin's having a, a great run. I mean, 22 to 1, 13 to 2, 15 to 2, 13 to 8. That's not a bad little run, is it? No, he's he's having a good time for it as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah um, unfortunately, there's there's no racing for the first two weeks of August. So, uh, we, <laughs> well, we, we look forward to when it when it does resume again. Yeah, and I, I take it like everybody else, you've been getting up at the crack of dawn to overcome the heat problems. Yeah, it's pretty pretty warm. Obviously, it's it's quite oppressive today. But the last two days have been been, been very hot here. So yeah, yeah the, the team have all worked really hard and and um, got them out early enough and and uh, yeah, cope, coped with it. So I, I think the horses probably cope better than we did, in fairness. Yeah, but you've got a few I see going. Um, well, I say a few. You got one on Sunday, someday soon. Is that likely to run? Yeah, so we've got one one tomorrow um, between the waters. He he runs at Worcester, but he's. Um, He's 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 obviously giving um, the the young young lad on board who works for us. He's uh, he's giving him his his first ever ride. So um, he's a lovely horse. The owners are very kind. They 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 very much um, let us use use between the waters to sort of get young guys up and running. So um, yeah, he he runs he runs tomorrow. Um, College Oak, I think he'll probably go to go to Toxter on on Friday. Um, he obviously won last time out pretty nicely down at down at uh, Stratford. He's gone up a few pounds, so he's he's going to find life a little bit tougher off off top weight here. But um, hopefully, there's a there's a little bit more improvement coming from him. Stepped up in trip. Um, somebody soon has entered in a couple of places. So is Bucko's boy. So we'll have to have a look, see where they go. I think Night Fever will probably go to Worcester next week, and then Morning Symphony to uh, to Bangor. Then and then that'll be us for a, a two week spell of no racing. Two weeks. And what what happens? I mean, do, do you obviously have to still work the horses you know, every morning and what have you? Do you? Yeah, so um, most most of the winter horses are, are, are back in now. We've still got a few more to, to come in, but um, yeah, the, the, so the winter horses are back in, trotting away. So plenty plenty of road, road work, and um, yeah, so even though there's there's no there's no racing, there's still still plenty of work to be done. How many have you got in now, then, Jamie? For you know total. Um, so we've got forty eight at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, we still got still got um, we still got a, a few more to come back in that've been in pre-training elsewhere, or some babies that've been backed and ridden away, or or uh, some horses still out in the field. So we, we yeah we should should be back up to 55 um, certainly certainly within sort of two or three weeks. Mm. That sounds like a workable number. I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, you always you always want more, Eddie. Well, you know, you do, but then again, you hear people like sort of well, Joe Tizard now, not Colin, but I mean, he's got hundred and hundred and thirty or up there, I think, something like that. It's quite a lot, That's a, which must be, you know, a bit of a responsibility. Yeah, it's. Um, I suppose it's like all these things. That the more you have, the the, the better chance of un- uncovering a, a star amongst them, isn't it? But yeah, um, yeah. You know, hopefully we've got a, a few nice ones amongst them. Well, I'm hoping so, yeah, because I'm going to try back in them next time. Good <laughs> <laughs> Lovely job. Okay, then, Jamie, well, thanks for joining us as usual. And um, uh, I might not give you a call next week if there's nothing sort of much to talk about, but on the other end, if there is something to talk about, I will give you a call, okay? Perfect. Well, hope, hopefully we do speak to you. Yeah. Okay, then, Jamie, thanks for your help, mate. Appreciate it. 
Great stuff. Take care. Thanks, Eddie. All Thanks the best. a lot. Bye-bye. Good afternoon, Jamie. Um, I'm just looking at your record again, and I tell you what, from the 10th to the 16th, it goes 4th, 2nd, 2nd, 1st, 2nd, 1st. You know, you really... I, I, I said, this is exactly what I said last week, but, I mean, it, it just it keeps going, doesn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, you're very kind. No, we, we've we've had a we've had a nice week. It's um, obviously there's there's not a huge amount of racing around at the moment, but thankfully the ones that have run have have, have run really well. And I yeah. suppose to to cap it, to cap it off the um, you know to see Piscard Pike winning the, the the big hurdle race of the summer at Market Racing on Saturday was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to come to him. I mean, uh, you know, have you heard the one about the the radio presenter who presents a racing show and he gets all these tips given to him and he never bothers to back them? <laughs> what a mug punter he is, by the way. Because not only oh, you, dear, dear. Rod Melman comes on as well, and of course he had the second in the in the super sprint at Newbury, and his was eighty to one. Well, you imagine if I'd have done an each way double on those two? God. Uh, you know, uh, if you listen to every tip you were given, you, you'd end up a poor man, I think. Yeah, well, that's that is the problem, obviously, because you know we speak to a lot of people on the show of various types, and they all they're all coming up with them. I mean, today we got uh, not today. I mean. Um, Saturday we've got the uh, the King George for example and I've, I've just had Richard Phillips on um, and I've got Colin Brown coming on soon and then of course um, we've also got Simon Holt from the Racing Post so you know we've got plenty of people who'll be coming up with all sorts of variations you'll, 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 you'll be kicking you'll be kicking me off your show soon Eddie you've got too many too many famous people I know but we've now got this guy called Jamie Snowden who's a star of television I saw you on the telly <laughs> Looking very laid back, you were there talking to people. Yeah, a bit, a bit scruffy, I think, is probably the answer. It was a bit warm. Yeah, I know. I'm, I don't blame you. I mean, crisis. Uh, yeah, it was warm. But uh, but I mean, go back to Pisco Pike. I mean, you know, how unexpected was it? Or did you? I mean, I know you you, you always got confident. It's one of your horses, obviously. But I mean, did you? What did you think when he went into the race? So this had been the plan for 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 a while, actually. Um, we we. He, he'd, he'd finished second in a listed race up at Market Raisins several years ago, and um, and we all thought that this kind of race would would suit him. Yeah. Um, we went chasing last last summer. Um, he, he likes the better grounds, so he's a summer horse. We went chasing last summer, and he did win a couple of small novice chases there. But um, he was always he's always a better hurdler than chaser. He lacks a little bit of scope for chasing. So certainly at the back end of last season, we we wanted to have him right for for this race. Um, and uh, after a, after a, a, a winter holiday, we gave him a, another wind up. He had a little pipe opener over fences at Newton Abbott um, about six weeks ago, and and uh, and that that put him right to, to come here. So it was always it was always the plan. Um, we thought he was quite nicely handicapped still, and um, it, it was just fascinating that you know having having started at I don't know I think he opened up at about eight to one. He drifted all the way out to twenty twos in the end. So, mm-hmm. um, but. You know that's 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 the way it goes sometimes. Well, did you have a few quid on? Uh, I didn't. I don't bet actually. Oh. Um, so uh, no, I, I didn't. Oh, well, you're a mud punter as well. <laughs> that, that's probably right. That's probably right. But um, but Gavin's having a, a great run. I mean, twenty-two to one, thirteen to two, fifteen to two, thirteen to eight. That's not a bad little run, is it? No, he's he's having a good time for it as well. So yeah, yeah. 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 Um, unfortunately, there's there's no racing for the first two weeks of August, so uh, we, well, we we look forward to when it when it does resume again. Yeah, and I, I take it like everybody else, you've been getting up at the crack of dawn to overcome the heat problems. 
Yeah, it's pretty pretty warm. Obviously, it's it's quite oppressive today. But the last two days have been been, been very hot here. So yeah, yeah the, the team have all worked really hard and and um, got them out early enough and and uh, yeah, coped, coped with it. So I, I think the horses probably coped better than we did. In fairness. Yeah, but you've got a few I see going. Um, well, I say a few. You got one on Sunday. Sunday soon. Is that likely to run? Yeah, so we've got one one tomorrow um, between the waters. He he runs at Worcester, but he's um, he's 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 obviously giving um, the the young young lad on board who works for us. He's uh, he's giving him his his first ever ride. So um, he's a lovely horse. The owners are very kind. They 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 very much um, let us use use between the waters to sort of get young guys up and running. So um, yeah, he he runs he runs tomorrow. Um, College Oak, I think he'll probably go to go to Toxter on on Friday. Um, he obviously won last time out pretty nicely down at down at uh, Stratford. He's gone up a few pounds, so he's he's going to find life a little bit tougher off off top weight here. But um, hopefully, there's a there's a little bit more improvement coming from him stepped up and trip. Um, somebody soon's entered in a couple of places. So is Bucko's boy. So we'll have to have a look, see where they go. I think Night Fever will probably go to Worcester next week, and then Morning Symphony to uh, to Bangor. Then and then that'll be us for a, a two week spell of no racing. Two weeks. And what what happens? I mean, do you, do you obviously have to still work the horses, you know, every morning and what have you? Do you? Yeah. So um, most most of the winter horses are, are are back in now. We've still got a few more to to come in, but. Um, yeah, the, the, so the winter horses are back in, trotting away. So plenty, plenty of road, road work, and um, yeah. So even though there's there's no there's no racing, there's still still plenty of work to be done. How many have you got in now, then, Jamie? For you know, total. Um, so we've got forty eight at the moment, mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, we still got still got um, we still got a, a few more to come back in that've been in pre-training elsewhere or some babies that have been backed and ridden away or, or uh, some horses still out in the field. So, we, we, yeah, we should, should be back up to 55, um, certainly, certainly within sort of two or three weeks. Mm. That sounds like a workable number, I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, you always, you always want more, Eddie. Well, you know, you do, but then again, you hear people like sort of, well, Joe Tizard now, not Colin, but, I mean, he's got 130-odd up there, I think, something like that. It's quite a lot, That's a, which must be, you know, a bit of a responsibility. Yeah, it's, um, I suppose it's like all these things. The, the more you have, the, the, the better chance of un- uncovering a, a star amongst them, isn't it? But, yeah, um, yeah. You know, ho- hopefully we've got a, a few nice ones amongst them. Well, I'm hoping so, yeah, because I'm going to try back at them next time. Good <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Lovely job. OK, then, Jamie, well, thanks for joining us as usual. And... Um, uh, I might not give you a call next week if there's nothing to sort of much to talk about, but on the other hand, if there is something to talk about, I will give you a call, OK? Perfect. Well, hope, hopefully we do speak to you. Yeah. OK, then, Jamie, thanks for your help, mate. Appreciate it. Great stuff. Take care. Thanks, Eddie. All thanks the best. a lot. Bye-bye. Next up, we catch up with Nick Schofield, who's having a little bit of a slightly different weekend because he's off to York to take part in a five-furlong dash which is not what he usually does, as you're all aware. Well, hi, Nick. Thanks for joining us on the show. Um, you're changing codes, I think is the expression, on Saturday up at York, and you're doing a, a flat race. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm not sure just yet if I'm going. I'll sort of know tomorrow morning, um, and it's quite a long way to go. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a f- five furlong sprint. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's a bit shorter than what we normally do, so it's, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a um, novelty for the race goers to watch the jump jockeys um, 
try their hand at fat racing, really. Yeah. Like the flat jockeys when they go over hurdles. It's, yeah, it's one of them on. races, and there's no jump racing on Saturday. So um, play it by ear and um, see what happens. Well, I see there's two two entries down with your name against them for Archie Watson. So, uh, so you know, I don't know whether you'll go back. Yeah, if it's for Archie yeah. Watson, I'll 100% go. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, I mean, how different is it? You know, five furlongs in particular. I, I mean, you've got to get a go in them. You? you know, out the stalls and you're away. Yeah, I've done it a few times. It's um, obviously a lot faster than what we're used to. Um, and it's great for all the lads involved, you know. It's something different, it's a bit of fun. And yeah. you know, most of the lads are going to end up going, to be honest. So, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good prize when it's 20 grand race. So um, uh-huh. it's worth winning. Yeah. And, I mean, how different is, is the technique? I mean, I know, I mean, for example, would you have... Would you ride shorter for a start? Yeah, um, I think us jump lads, we just go as fast as we can for as long as we can. I think there's much tactics in it when we ride in it, as, <laughs> as, as the fat jockeys do. But um, I think the horses are running and they're all sort of quite well experienced sprinters. So um, it's sort of, uh, you know, hopefully we just hold on and um, <laughs> for as long as we can. Yeah, but I mean, what's the technique? I mean, the doors open or the you know gates open on the stalls. I mean, do the horses themselves know? I mean, I presume they've done it enough times to to realise once the gates open, they've got to go anyway, do they? Yeah, some do. Every obviously every horse is different, and um, but yeah, they do it on instinct. They yeah. the ones that that are in that race have run plenty of times, so they know exactly what to do. Hopefully. So John Gosden and Co will be on the phone, or Aidan O'Brien afterwards, then trying to sign you up straight away. You reckon? <laughs> they hadn't. They didn't on previous weddings <laughs> of it, so um, I can't imagine they will this year. Shame on them. They don't know what they're missing, do they? Well, look, Nick. Um, good luck. I hope you come back with the twenty grand. That would be good. And yeah. uh, look after yourself. And we'll, we'll talk to you next week. But I should be watching on telly. So um, do your best. Yeah, thanks very much. Okay. Thanks for coming on, Nick. See you soon, mate. Thank you. So a bit of a different weekend for Nick Schofield this weekend, uh, taking on the likes of Frankie Dettori, no doubt. And now we're going to talk to Richard Phillips about the King George, one of the major, major flat races of the season. Only six runners, but six class runners. Well, good afternoon, Richard. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's King George weekend. Yeah, it certainly is. One of my favourite races of the year. There's a great history of the King George, basically. Uh, all the great horses have been in there and run it for one in the past. Uh, Mill Reeves and Brigadier Gerrards and Nijinskis and Dahlias and, you know, Galileos. All the great horses have won a King George. Um, and it's always one of the great meetings of the three-year-olds coming together with the older horses. And this year... Although it's a small field, it's a quality field. Mm. Do you think it's uh, is it top of top of its class in the world as as a race? Do you think? Well, it's a, it's, it's slightly changed. It did go through a period where, unfortunately, um, it, it wasn't perceived to be as uh, an important race as it has in the past at times. But luckily, it's sort of it's come back to the fore a bit in the last decade, as it were. And there have been some poorish renewals. Uh, in the past, but now it's getting once again. And I think it's a great time of year. I think it's when horses are at their peak in July. Uh, it's the middle of the season. The classic horses have been progressing. The older horses have come and probably had a run or two to be up to their perfect fitness. And it's a great meeting of the best horses. And yes, there are great races around the world, like the World Cup in Dubai and the Melbourne Cup. But when it comes to Europe, especially in the great flat horses, it's the timing of it means that the best horses in the world come together. Has France got anything on par with this? 
Of course, it's the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, which, uh, of course, is a great race again. Um, and many would say that's the greatest race in the world. But it does come towards the end of the season. And in the past, possibly um, some fillies and mares who... It's a good timing of the year for fillies and mares. Lots of those fillies and mares have won the arc in the past. So at the end of the season, the slightly old softer ground, uh, there is a case to be said that maybe it's not to the benefit of a lot of other horses that might not be at their peak at that time of year. Yeah. Well, of course, you know what I'm going to say, Mishriff. Yes, you are, and you've got a great chance. Mm. Um, I think James Doyle takes the ride. Of course, he was, um, he's run, I think, second in the race before. He was a really good second in the Eclipse the other day. Um, he was a brilliant winner of the International at York last year, the Judmont. Uh, he's a very talented horse. And he showed the other day that um, he's as good as he ever was. So, and the mile and a half should suit him these days. So he's got a great chance, and he's many people's value bet. He's a 72 chance. But, of course, the favourite, the short price favourite is Westover, the winner of the Irish Derby, the unlucky... Uh, third horse in the Epsom Derby with Emily Upjohn, second favourite with Frankie Dettori on board. Uh, of course, Frankie's riding uh, for the Gosling camp and Emily Upjohn was sort of an unlucky second in the in the Epsom Oaks. And we've got the arc winner, Torquato Tasso uh, from Germany running the race as well and outsiders like Piledriver, who's a, who's a really talented horse that's been travelling around the world, trained by Willie Muir and um, Piledriver again has got plenty of talent and on his day he could run a big one mm. so um, are you going to stick your neck above the parapet and give us the winner well I've, I don't think there's a really serious um, bet in there that stands out too far but um, I actually tipped the arc winner um, Torquated Tassa that did win on softer ground so I would have said that he, he might be the, the dark horse of the race yeah yeah okay well we'll keep an eye open for that and uh, I've got to ask you too, I see on, on uh, Saturday at York, um, the jump jockeys have got a race where they're uh, a five furlong dash, uh, obviously on the flat. Um, did you ever get involved in anything like that? Well, yes, I mean, we've had, uh, there's races on the, on the jumps for flat jockeys as well. And yeah. Rab Havlin has ridden from so many jumps in the past. So but it's also great to see jump jockeys running in a sprint because it's just a different dynamic. But mm. um you know, I think most flat jockeys and jump jockeys could do um, five furlongs or do five miles over defences. You know, they're, they're horsemen and they'll adapt pretty quickly. But I know, I know the jump jockeys really enjoy it. Yeah, well, I was just talking to Nick Schofield because he comes on the show, and uh, you know, he's he's looking forward to it. But uh, you know, I mean, is there much of a difference? I mean, you know, with a, a, a five furlong, they've got to get on with it, haven't they? I mean, as soon as the, the gates open, you're you're away. Um, you know, do would the jump jockeys find it that much more difficult to get going, whereas you know, your, 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 your regular flat jockey would obviously uh, be so used to that because he'd be doing it every day, probably. Well, practice makes perfect, but it won't take them long to realise, I can assure you, that uh, they're all very competitive animals, these jump jockeys and flat jockeys, so they, they'd have done probably a bit of practice at home. But remember, their riding horses work at home, and that won't be over miles and miles. It'll be over sort of shorter trips. So they're probably used to going pretty fast on racehorses, and I, I don't think they'll find it too big a problem. Oh, I think good. a bigger problem would be just... Seeing possibly Frankie Dettori going towards a, the open ditch at Cheltenham, that would be probably more, <laughs> more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it would be. Um, have you had any problems with this severe heat uh, at your stables You know, the last couple of days, or have you managed to get over it all right? Yeah, most of us have managed, because uh, the thoroughbred racehorses are descendant of Arab horses, so they're pretty used to the heat. 
Yeah. So as long as they're hydrated and they've got lots of water and they can get into the shade, they're normally far more sensible than human beings, I'd say. Yeah. So um, that, that, they, they do manage to... Um, but we do exercise the horses pretty early in the morning, and 5 o'clock in the morning in the summer is probably the best time of day. So it's really lucky this week. We've been up nice and early. They got fed nice and early, got their exercise program out of the way so they can relax for the rest of the day. But, yeah, they do enjoy... Uh, their showers, as it were, after exercise this time of year. Yeah, good. Okay, Richard, well, thank you for all that. Let's hope we're, we can get a winner for that. I still think Mishraf, but uh, we'll, we'll see. And as you said, it could be the value bet. Um, but have a good weekend, and we'll speak to you next week. Well, that was Richard Phillips having a good look at the King George on Saturday. And uh, as he's already mentioned, I fancy Mishraf. Um, but um, there's an awful lot of glass horses in there, so we'll have to wait and see. Now we're going to catch up with Dave Wilson of Harlequin Racing and see who he reckons for the King George. Well, good afternoon, Dave. How are you today? Have you got a winner for the King George? Hopefully we have. We'll uh, get on to that race uh, shortly. Another couple of winners last weekend to keep everyone ticking over. Yeah. So uh, things looking good with the settled weather. We know what we're doing. And uh, as I say, always watch that unpredictable weather because you get everything changing up in the air with it. So... Uh, it's one thing to keep an eye on, but at the moment it looks nice and settled. A few storms forecast, but I think everything has settled down for Saturday and we'll uh, have a nice case racing at Ascot. Good, so, okay. uh, We're going to start off with the first race on the card, the 150, and the horse that we're picking in here is Glenn Laurel. Andrea Atzini rides it for Kevin Ryan. He's had one run to date, one win, and he was very eye-catching when uh, winning up at first. He won the race by three and three quarter lengths and the progressive lines of form from that, the horse he beat was called Signora Camacho and that came out and run at Haydock and that was second uh, in a race and the horse that was behind it was called Queen of Duval. Now Queen of Duval had run at Royal Ascot and was only nine lengths behind Dramatised. So when you when you put the calculations in, the three and three quarter lengths of an easy win and the nine lengths behind uh, one of the best uh, two-year-olds around at the moment, uh, the form doesn't match up too too out of sync. So I think Glenn Laurel's a very very good bet in that first race there at Ascot on Saturday. Priced up around about thirteen to two with bet three six five and William Hill was at the moment, and I suggest having a nice big each way bet on that one to start the day off. Rightio. Moving down to the second race on the card, the 225, and uh, going with one here called November. Going to be ridden by Rene Pytrelec and trained by Mr. Scheuer again. But, uh, the German, it's a German horse, German connections, German jockey and a German trainer. So excuse the pronunciation if I've got anything wrong there. Now, on some of the... Of papers, it's only showing his sources run six times, but he's actually run 12 times. Now, he's won at Hangover and Bisseldorf as well. Now, don't be fooled by German connections with this one, and uh, it's been racing in some top class races. It won the German 1000 Guineas by seven and a half lengths, which is not a bit of form to be sniffed at with a nice Godolphin horse who was back in second that day. Now, he's also running uh, Prix de Moulin, a Group 1, over uh, Paris Longchamp. And that race was won by Bade. Now, this fella was only four and three-quarter lengths behind Bade in that race. So it shows how good November can actually run. And when you think the other horses in that race was Order of Australia, Victor Ladorum, Snow Lantern and Lopi Fernandez, 
it was a top quality group one as well, and it only got beat four and three quarter lengths in that race. Uh, come over here, it's had a run at Ascot before, over a mile, got beat four and a quarter lengths uh, by Saffron Beach in the Duke of Cambridge, and it's now dropping back to seven furlongs, which I think it, it looks absolutely ideal for. Now, it's priced up five to one at the moment with Bet365, and I would suggest having a nice each way bet on November in the second race there. Okay. Now, here we go. The three o'clock race. Uh, going for one here called Top Secret. Hayley Turner takes a ride. For oh, well, that Classic. explains it all, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> but the funny thing to note is yeah. Hayley Turner in a big Ascot race normally rides Chief of Chiefs. And she's not riding Chief of Chiefs. She's actually riding Top Secret for the Bill Muir and uh, Grassic combination. Yeah. Now, Top Secret has enjoyed having a lady riding him last few runs. Holly Doyle's been on him and Nicola Curry's been on him. And the interesting fact is that, and big pointer is, he's run at Ascot three times in his life. He's won twice on good going and good to firm, and he got beat on his third run at Ascot, but the going was good to soft. Now, I can't see good to soft going appearing for the weekend, so I would imagine he's going to be running it, of course, where he's uh, proven over the trip, proven with the style of jockey on top because he likes the women jockeys, this horse, and he likes the going as well. Now, the interesting thing is he's 50 to 1, mm. and uh, William Hills are playing five places on the race, a fifth of the odds. So when you put on board that Hayley Turner's switched from the normal horse she rides onto him, he's only, he's only ever got beat at Ascot when it's been the wrong going for him. He's on his right going, right trip, got everything going for him. 50 to 1, I don't think it's going to survive too long in the betting markets. So I think it'd be well worth having a nice each way bet on him there. So that's top secret in the three o'clock. Seventy-seven thousand pound race as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like him. Right, moving down to the big race of the day, the three thirty-five. Now we're going to go with West over here. Colin Keane taking a ride for Ralph Beckett. Uh, he was the unlucky horse in the Epsom Derby, and then he went over and running the Irish Derby and absolutely destroyed the field. He won by seven lengths and nothing got a sniff of him. He, he, he took off from the start and just galloped him into submission. So uh, I've got a feeling this fella's going to run very, very well. Now, the thing to note is he's getting an £11 weight for age allowance in the race as well. So all of the other ho older horses have to give him £11. Mm. Now, that's not an easy task to do. At any stage of a race or any stage of a career, let alone to a horse that's absolutely destroyed the Irish Derby. Now, Emily Upjohn's going to be running in this one after the issues of her last week when she went to go to Ireland and the, and the plane had a bird strike on landing to pick her up and then she didn't get out there. But she gets uh, £14 because she gets an extra £3 sex allowance. But I don't think Emily Upjohn is as good as Westover's out of the two of them. And I'm going to be having a nice bet with... Ladbrokes at six to four on Westover, so that's a three thirty-five there Westover. You don't fancy the um, the German horse again, the the art winner. No, no, I think Westover's a little bit classy. The way that he, the way that he picked up at Epsom when he got smashed around and didn't get a run, and then he took off after Desert Crown. It was, I thought, it was a very impressive run. And then when he went over to Ireland and he just destroyed them off the front of the pack. The best that Aidan O'Brien could throw at him, and they never even sniffed his towel, basically, and 
I just think he's a very, very classy horse. Now he's over the right trip and, uh, you know, they have everything in his favour. So uh, mm-hmm. we're definitely siding up with Westover over okay. in this corner. Okay, righty Right, moving down the card to the 410 race. Uh, another one that I like here is called Waiting All Night. James Doyle takes a ride for Richard Spencer. Now, it's the most experienced uh, runner in the race, having had four previous runs. One on his debut, and then he went into a listed race, dropped into the deep end, where he came fifth. He then went to Royal Ascot and came fifth in the Coventry. He only got beat four and a quarter lengths behind Brad Sell, one of the horses that we backed over uh, there that day, and he was two and three quarter lengths behind Persian Force. Now, Persian Force is one of the best two-year-olds around at the moment, and especially over this sort of trip. And then, obviously, uh, Waiting All Night came out again behind Persian Force up at Newmarket. So uh, he's stepping up from six furlongs to seven furlongs, and I think that'll suit Waiting All Night. And uh, although he's got fifth, fifth, fifth as his last three runs, it's not bad form. It's very, very good form compared to what the others have uh, got on offer at the moment. So uh, he's not got a price against him at the moment, but I think he'd be priced up around about three to one. So uh, we shall see. If he's if he's anywhere near an each-way bet, have an each-way bet, but have a small uh, win bet if he's... Uh, under under the four to one sort of price, so uh, the four ten waiting all night. Okay. Moving down to the four forty five, the horse we like here is right down the bottom of the card. Atrium. Jamie Spencer takes the ride for Charlie Fellows. Uh, another three year old in a handicap, and he gets an eight pound weight for age allowance in this race. Now, since he was gelded uh, in August uh, twenty twenty one, he's form's absolutely taken off. He was a 74 handicap rating and then they give him the big snip and he's uh, gone all the way up to a 92 handicap now. But when you take into consideration £8 of that's going to come off his back with the weight for age allowance, he's dropping down to a mark of 84. So that's a huge amount of weight to come off of him and uh, he looks well in with well in on the form with me for this class 2 handicap. Uh, this is his fourth run this year, he's been third, fourth, 13th at the Royal Ascot meeting, and then he come out and he won at Ascot as well. So uh, when he won at Ascot, he was racing off of a handicap mark of 85, which obviously means he's a pound lower than that when he takes his eight pound off of him in this race. So I think he's got a very, very big chance. And uh, again, there's no prices available at the moment, and I'm expecting him to be about eight to one to ten to one sort of thing for an each way bet on him there. So that's. Atrium in the 4.45. OK, fine. And moving on to the last race on the card, the 5.20. The horse I like here is called Bond Chairman. Graham Lee takes a ride for Mr Smart. Uh, he's got a one-pound pull in, pull in the weights for a nose defeat by Mountain Peak last time out. But Bond Chairman was only having his second run of the year where Mountain Peak had already had... He was having his fourth run. So the one-pound reversal in the weights, I think, is going to put Bond Chairman in front of Mountain Peak. Uh, it's only a nose he's got to switch around, and I think that's very easy with the weight. And then you can take into consideration that he's going to be having the fitness coming to him now because it was only his second run of the season. It, it seems very good, and was, he's got great course form as well. He was fourth in the Windsor Castle at Royal Ascot in 2021. When he was fourth in the Holy Royal House at Royal Ascot in 2022. And then last time out, he got beaten nose by, let's say, Mountain Peak, who is re-opposing in Heritage Handicap back on the 9th of July. Now, 
a paper price is four to one about Bond chairman. If he's five to one, is a nice each way bet. But if he's under five to one, just have a small win bet on him. But that's that tip in the last race there. Bond chairman in the five twenty. Lovely job. Okay then, Dave. Thank you very much. Let's hope we have a good no day problem. again. I mean, hopefully, the... and we'll uh, we'll be there, and we'll come back next week and see what we've got coming up then next week then. I suppose really the only thing that can cock everything up is whether we started suddenly get these these thunderstorms they've muttered about, you know. And, but I mean, it it doesn't look yeah. like it at the moment, does it? So hopefully we'll be one okay. Of members, yeah, one of our members works at the Met Office, and he always says to me when they predict thunderstorms, they haven't got a clue if it's a thunderstorm coming or not. No. He said that's one of the most unpredictable things that a weatherman can ever try and predict. So. <laughs> uh, uh, we shall see. Sometimes they happen, sometimes they don't, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what does actually materialise. Yeah, we will. OK then, Dave, thanks for that, mate. We'll speak to you next week then. Well, that was Dave Wilson of Harlequin Racing, and hot on the heels of Dave, we've got, of course, the old cheeky chappy himself. It's Colin Brown. Well, good morning, Colin. Uh, a busy day today, and obviously a busier day tomorrow. What do you make of it? Fantastic racing, but where to try and go? I just don't know because we've had, you know, we've had our Oaks and Derby, we've had Royal Ascot, and we've had, you know, and now all of a sudden it's towards the end of July, we've got the King George and some great race meetings up the north, um, well, mid north, if you like, Newmarket, then then Newcastle on the all weather, it's Ladies Day, and then New York, there's a jump jockeys race there. Um, you know, a flat race for jump jockeys, professional jump jockeys. So there's plenty of action up and down the country to give us a little bit of fun. And uh, should we take a look at the jump jockeys race yeah. um, for one of our flat highlights and then get down to the King George Alaska, so if you like. Um, okay. Mm, well, I tell you, there's some blooming good, um, there's some very good racing uh, at York. And the first one, the 205, is the Skybet Jump Jockeys race, and uh, it's a professional jump jockeys race, and um, some of the top boys are riding here. We've got Daryl Jacob, we've got Gavin Sheehan, James Bowen, Tom Scudamore, Sean Bowen leading jump trainer at this minute with just uh, 43 winners. Tom Cannon, who's landed a good job with, uh, with of course, um, uh, uh, Alan King, and then we've got John Joe O'Neill, uh, Junior. We've got some, you know, some real good jockeys riding in the race. And what a race it is. And in the race, just goes to show these old horses. There's a great old horse running in the race, 13 years old, which Richard McClellan rides. Um, better be the fastest horse he's ever ridden. And it's called Duke of Friends. And it's been, over the years, been such a blooming good horse. It really has. Um, Kevin Ryan's got a runner in the race called um, A by Gum, and uh, I reckon that's one that will go very close. That's one that I really fancy. It's called A by Gum. Can you say that? A by Gum. Yeah, well done, well done. Well, that was second horse called Stone Circle last time out, which is uh, ridden by Schofield for Michael Bell. And I think uh, Harry Cobden. In... Harry Cobden's right. Uh, Harry that. Cobden, should I say, yeah. For, for uh, Michael Bell, big one. Um, I think they're the two against the field. But if you want another one to throw in as well, uh, Gavin Sheehan, um, I know well, I travel racing with him a little bit. He rides a horse for Nigel Tickler. He's talking about it last Sunday when we travelled to Stratford together. And uh, it's called Ginger Jam. 
and I think it's got uh, a real good chance, Jimsy Jam, um, of uh, of of um, going close as well. So it's a right competitive race. We've got E by Gum, we've got Bloomin' uh, Ginger Jam, and then we've got Stone Circle. <coughs> so, you know, I reckon we, uh, we we got a chance of getting the winner there. So tell me something, Colin, how, how difficult, I mean, look, you know, five furlongs dash, the doors open, or the gates, um, how difficult is it for the jump jockeys? Because, I mean, you, you you know, if you're going to win a five furlong race, you've got to have a good start and you've got to maintain it right the way through. Um, you know, they're not used to that because they just amble down to the start of the jump race and just potter off down, don't they? Yeah, it's going to be a bit different. I mean, you know, I've ridden on the flat a bit and you need to just have your finger in the next strap and just you know have your sort of wits about you You need to be you know leaning forward a little bit and you know letting that horse have a little bit of rain as he jumps out the gate and off he goes because it's a completely different ball game than um than all, all over the jumps you know yeah so, I mean, yeah and five furlongs i mean christ that's over in a minute yeah. yeah, these jump jockeys. If, if you get the odd one or stand up and take a bit of a pull, like going a bit too keen or don't want to hit the front too soon or get to get to the front early. And that when when you do that, I did it. I remember in the five so long race at Leicester when I was a kid, one of my first ever races I rode in on the flat. Just came out the gate, took a little pull. Well, it's like they just gone whoosh. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, it's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. Do they ride any shorter? I mean, because normally jump jockeys, you know, tend to ride quite long, don't they? Yeah, I expect they'll ride a little bit shorter, but you don't be riding too short because one comes out the stores and swerves a little bit, and you're not really used to riding quite that short. You'll be on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, we should be watching. Well, that's one of our... Absolutely. That's one of our highlights from the flat, eighty, And then the other one, of course, is the King George the Sixth and Queen Elizabeth's Kipco. Group one race British Champion Series. What a race it is! The ground at Ascot's good, you know. Um, I suppose he's put plenty of water on. We did have a couple of thunderstorms that really sort of um, would have helped a little bit in the last couple of days around our area. Um, but you know what disappoints me? There's fantastic prize money 1.2 million, and there is only six runners. You know, come on, trainers. Get your horse out, even if you've got £10 a fine or 15 or t- you know, just run them. Yeah, Go back to a bit of prize, you know, it's just <clears throat> madness. You never but know, do you? I'm gonna look, just crazy. I'm gonna look at the race from the top at uh, the King George Broom. I think, um, Ryan Moore's is a massive price. I mean, he's a horse that, um, was fifth at Alan Kerr in the um, Tattersall's Gold Cup in uh, the in the Curra. And then last time out, you know, he won at Royal Ascot. He won the Hardwick Stakes Group 2 race. Race. He won by three and a half lengths. Hurricane Lane was well beaten. It was third in our derby uh, back in fifth. I mean, it's a real good horse, this one, Brew. And he's about 18 to 1. I think he's a massive price. And then David Egan, I'll be hoping that Misfriff gets beaten because although he won the Judmont at York on him by six lengths, um, and various other races, including a big one in Maidan. He's got jocked off him because he was third at Sandan in the Eclipse, um, only beaten a neck by Vadini. Um, well, I don't know. Not a clear run on him, you know. I, I can't make out these six-runner races, and they get themselves into a pocket. 
Yeah. You know, I think they need to just use their heads and spread out a bit. But there we go. It happens. What, what am I, who am I to say? Pole driver. He's a big price. Won the coronation um, last year and then was uh, second in the coronation this year to Huckham. Not without a chance, 33 to 1. Then we've got a horse from Germany uh, coming over. Um, who's a group one horse called uh, Torquator Tasso. Um, he's got exceptional form. I think he won the German derby. Um, Didn't he win the Arc de Triomphe as well? He did win the Arc de Triomphe as well, yeah. Mm. He did. He, he won the Arc de Triomphe last year. Just got up from Tarnwa and Hurricane Lane. So you have to say, you know, this horse has got a chance. He's 12 to 1. Westover, well, another horse that was beaten at uh, one at the Curragh, should I say, last time out with Colin Keane on the Irish Derby winner. Um, well done to him. Um, and then he was second Hornby rode him and he was third in our derby um, to Desert Crown and Hu Yamal. Um, Hu Yamal and uh, Desert Crown, they haven't run since the derby, so difficult to say, but that's great for them. Then you've got Emily Upjohn, who was in front of stride from the post and then literally beaten on the nod by Tuesday in the uh, Oaks at Epsom, and what you know, what what a what a run that was. Um, you have to say that um, Tuesday's only been fourth since beating ten lengths to Westover in the Irish Derby, but you know she's a filly against the Colts in the Irish Derby. So it's a fascinating race. What wins it? Gosh, I really don't know. I mean, it's some great form in the race. I think I'm going to go. It's so hard. I think I'm going to go for the... Uh, you know, I, I just don't know. It's such a good race. It's such a good race. But I think one that's a little bit of value is the German horse, Torquator Tasso, at around about 12 to 1. OK, well, we'll go for that then. I'm going to go for Mishriff because I backed him last time and he very nearly won for me. Um, he did nearly, yeah, he probably should have won, really, shouldn't he? Mm. He probably should have won. But there we go, he didn't, and that is that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, let's have a look at the other racing, shall we, for the day? Yeah, let's have a look. Think, no doubt Mary will be at the end of the phone waiting to uh, give you a call. Oh, do you know, I spoke to Mary yesterday. She's in great form. She's just had a drive all done, and... Uh, you know, the builders, you know, thought they knew everything and put the drain in the wrong place. So she came out <laughs> and gave them a bit of a, bit of a telling off. Because oh. I'm not paying for it until it's done properly. So she really is. She's she she's overseeing building sites now. Yeah. She's absolutely brilliant. She is brilliant. And still rides a bike into town and uh, has a few bets. There you go. Gin and tonic. So she's doing blooming well. Uh, good, old, good, good for Mary. I love her to bits. Right, let's go. Where should we go then? Um, there's so many meetings. It's just, you know, great racing. Uh, Newmarket, I'm going to just have a quick look at a race at Newmarket. It's a maiden stakes race at uh, 127. That's at Newmarket. Um, and there's one or two quite interesting runners here. One of them being a horse first time out um, for Brian Meehan. And it's 
it's a, it's a horse that um, could just run a good race here. Keep your eye on it. I think it's quite nice. It's called Dartman. Sean Levy rides it in the 127. I'm not saying it's any good thing, but it's a horse to keep an eye on and the horse that um, hopefully will be in the first three today, uh, but certainly one to keep an eye on for the future. And then I'm going to go down to your favourite place, Salisbury. You love Salisbury, don't you? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Lovely place to go, especially on a nice day. Can't beat it. What do you like about Salisbury? Like um, uh, large Bacardi's, a sort of half price or something like that? Large vodkas usually, yes. Um, but, uh, you know, and then they do some nice chips down there as well, potato-based products. So, it's, yeah, it's the place to go, mate, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very healthy. Yeah, very, it very is. Healthy Extremely so. <laughs> <laughs> right, a, what wins the salt? Go on. I was going to say it's a reasonable drive as well. It's not too far to drive. So it's, a, it's no, okay. E e even if you're having a large vodka. Yeah, quite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, usually, I usually stitch somebody up, one of my colleagues, to ride, drive the car back, sort of thing, if I've uh, had too yeah, many. So, you know. Care. There you go. Don't blame you. There you go. Anyhow, we've had a few of these in the last week. In the 1725, the winner of the Highclere Castle Carnarvon Handicap. A hot day, it's called, and it's trained by... Um, a good mate of mine, Stan Moore, off for five months, third at Newbury to a horse called Safos, which I thought would win that day. He's a pretty good jumper as well. And Hot Day ran a cracking race that day, and I would say will win today at Salisbury. That's in the 525 race. So it's called Hot Day um, in the 525 at Salisbury. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, there is some good old bit of racing down there, and... Um, and uh, and Stan Moore's got some uh, decent runners there. Um, a couple of quite decent runners there, actually. But um, there's also Richard Hannon's running in the second that um, Tom Queeley rides, and it's called Talis Everlier. And it's never run, but it's, uh, it's very well related. It's got some quite big entries. So Hannon often has a, a winner there, and it's called the Simon and Nearest Duffield, Memorial, bless them. They used to have lots of horses in training. They trained a few of themselves as well down by Winchester. That, uh, that not by Winchester, by Dorchester, that way. So it's their race. Um, the handicap is the next race. I don't really like the race that much uh, at Salisbury. Then we've got a Novice Stakes race. Crikey, there's only three runners in the Novice Stakes race. That's terrible, isn't it? Mm. Three runners at Salisbury, but I think the horse that you'll find will win it is a horse called Karuka, a tra trained by Eve Johnson Orton. Um, she's, you know, she does very well, and it's owned by a guy called Gary Stevens, who's um, he's got some nice horses in training. He's got a uh, horse in training with Harry Fry on the jumps and Eve Johnson Houghton on the flat. Um, anyhow, as I look at the rest of uh, the racing down there, um, there's one more horse that catches my eye. It's called Proficiency, and it's trained by a guy called Seamus Jurak, who had plenty of winners over the jumps. He was a very good jump jockey. Must have broken his leg more time than, than any other jump jockey I know. But he's a good rider and a good little trainer. And he's uh, got one called Proficiency, and that's in the um, seven. No, it's not seven thirty. Yeah, it's the, 
Yes, in 7.30. Yeah. So that's what I fancy there, listeners, um, as we will now join up the racing at Ascot. Tremendous racing at Ascot for Saturday. We've already done the King George, um, but um, there is plenty of other good racing there. We've got the Princess Margaret Keenan Stakes Achilles Group 3 race. I'm there at Ascot doing Ascot TV, promoting the world pool betting, which is uh, part of Ascot um, the weekend which is brilliant, and um, it just is great racing. And also, we've got an ROR parade, which um, uh, at the races or uh, Sky Sports Racing, um, uh, uh, pundit and um, broadcaster Martin Kelly and I are talking about. So there are great retired racehorses that come back to various disciplines in their retirement. They're very good at it as well. So looking forward to doing that. Anyhow, what wins, what wins, what wins at, Eva, at um, Ascot? The Princess Margaret State says, Frankie de Tory's looking to get off to a flyer on a horse called Le Zoo for um, Rafe Beckett in the 150. But I could see possibly Palm Lily being pretty smart. as a Judmont hot horse. Um, and, um, you know, you, you have to consider it. But it's trained by Beckett as well. So Beckett, I think, uh, is going to win the first, whether it's with Lazoo or Palmilli, I'm not sure, but it's going to be one of those I think you'll find. And then at 2.25, we've got the Longines Valley at Stakes, and it's a game of Phillies Group 3 race, and a really, really strong race, this one. And Peter Schergen from Germany's brought over a horse. It was fourth to Saffron Beach here um, at Royal Ascot in the Duke of Cambridge. Um, and that's pretty good for it dropping back in, uh, you know, uh, a class here a little bit today. And I don't think it'll be far away. Probably the horse to beat um, is the horse that was second at Newbury, one at Newbury also back in the last year. And then it was um, only beaten for uh, two, two and a quarter lengths in Longchamp uh, in, a, in a very good race in May. That was uh, a Phillies Group 1 race, the French Guineas. Um, and that is called Jumbly, Jumbly, trained by Roger Charlton. Holly Doyle takes the ride on that one. And Jumbly could be the one they've all got to beat. All right, Jumbly it is. We, and don't get them mixed up with um, because she rides Jumbly. And then in the next race, Holly Doyle, this will be a good double listeners because they've both got chances. In the next race, she rides a horse called Jum B. So same spelling without an L in one of them. They are before the B. So that's quite amazing, isn't it, really? Mm. Jumby and Jumbly. So stick those in a little five-pound double. It'll pay 25 to one if they both win. Um, anyhow, we never get away without having a heritage handicap. Sorry, just lost you. A heritage handicap. Um, and what wins this one? There's not quite as many runners as normal. There's got to be 30, but... Um, it's it's a pretty good race, and the horses like Chief of Chiefs normally go quite well here. A horse called Fresh has been favourite to win this type of race uh, numerous times. There was only six in the um, Wokingham last time out. Um, another horse I quite like in the race that was 10th to Dark Shift at the big meeting. Dark Shift won the Hunt Cup. Um, is a horse called Aratus, and um, he was got into a little bit of trouble that day. I was a unable to get into it. It was probably drawn a little bit low um, off the speed. And I think these two have got great chances. So, Aratus, 
Tom Marquand rides it for Clive Cox. Um, and, and you have to say Dark Shift, who, who did win at Ascot, lost time out nicely, and is on a bit of a roll. They're the two to be in the three o'clock at Ascot. We got the King George at foot 335. I've already pointed out that race. I think it's a hard one. And then at um, 410, we got Naval Power. That looks the one to be um, for the all conquering uh, Appleby Yard. Um, unbeaten in two races. I think it's a very, very good horse that runs in the Flex Jet Pat Edry Stakes. Remembering the great late Pat Edry, who sadly got caught. Um, you know, what a great jockey he was. But, um, the, you know, from wasting all those years and keeping his weight down and pressure and everything, he hit the bottle, which is uh, something that a lot of people do do. And sadly, it killed poor old Pat. But, um, anyhow, his race. I think he'll go to Naval Power. And then the 4.45 there at, um, at um, Ask at the weekend. I think uh, the apprentice, and he's called Benoit de la Sea, can win on the Queen's horse here. He was second uh, to Tory Road. It was second in the Britannia States. The thesis, arguably, probably, maybe should have just got up. Just plenty to do, but staying on well. That was over a mile. Um, and it runs here back over a mile. So with average luck, I think we'll see uh, Saga in the winner's enclosure um, at, at Ascot. The final race on the card looks blooming hard to me. Um, it really does. And just for fun, I'm going to throw one in here that probably should win. It's about time at one, anyhow. It won beating Bond Chairman last time out here at Ascot. And it's called Mountain Peak. Uh, Mark Ratton rode it last time out. He can't ride it today. He has to ride Hurricane Ivor for William Haggis, uh, who was disappointed at York last time out. And I think Mountain Peak will win for, uh, for um, Ryan Moore and Ed Walker. So that completes our, our tips for um, Saturday's racing, AD and listeners. I hope we find a few winners for you. Lovely job. Thanks, Colin. Um, yeah, well, we will uh, discuss your success rate next week and we'll see it. And no doubt Mary will be um, popping down the bookies now on her bike. So uh, good luck, Mary. Let's hope they all win. And don't let those builders okay, take well, you for a ride either, for goodness sake. You didn't get where you are today having to put up with builders like that. Darling. Absolutely. Scandalous, yeah. scandalous. Get your helmet on, Mary. Don't forget your helmet. Well, that was Colin Brown, of course. Uh, on his way to Ascot, so hopefully he's picked a few winners for you, and uh, in particular, the King George. So we'll wait and see on that one, but uh, I'm still sticking with Mishrish. Mishrash. Mishriff. Mishriff, that's the one. And now it's time to get another opinion on the King George. We're going to chime up with the Sporting Life's Simon Holt. Well, good morning, Simon. Uh, tomorrow's the big day, the King George. What are your thoughts on the race? Well, it's a it's a terrific race, I think. Uh, apart from Desert Crown, has got a little foot injury, and Adair, who won the race last year and hasn't been seen so far this season, it's hard to think of too many other horses that would have a leading chance in the race. And it's that clash of the generations that we've become used to in the King George down the years, with the three-year-olds getting the weight-for-age allowance from the older horses. And... If the three-year-olds are above average, then they're probably going to take a lot of beating. 
I think it's a fascinating contest. I think it's going to be run at a pretty strong gallop because five of the six runners are absolute certain stayers at the mile and a half, and the other one, Mishrif, probably gets the trip, but maybe not quite as effectively as he gets a mile and a quarter. So I think it's going to be a fascinating tactical race. It's just a really a question of how good this classic form is. Westover, of course, was unlucky not to finish second in the derby behind Desert Crown, got uh, caught up in a little bit of traffic under Rob Hornby, and then bounced back to win the Irish derby last time. But that form didn't look so good when Piers Badil, the runner-up, finished only sixth of six in the Grand Prix de Paris next time. And then you've got Emily Upjohn, who looked an unlucky loser, perhaps, of the Oaks, because she stumbled at the start and then covered a lot more ground than the narrow winner Tuesday. Well, Tuesday was beaten quite a long way in the Irish Derby when taking on the boys next time out. The third in the Oaks, Nashua, went on to win the Prix de Diane, but that was over a shorter distance. And again, rather like the Epsom Derby, the Oaks, those behind the principles, haven't really done an awful lot for the form since. So there's a little bit of a question mark whether these are above average three-year-olds. If they are, then they're going to take some beating getting all the weight. And Emily Upton, in addition to the weight for age, gets her sex allowance in the hands of Frankie Dettori. But I think there are some very good older horses in the race, notably Mishrif and the ARC winner, Torquata Tasso. And I think he's been a, a little bit underestimated, Torquata Tasso, because his performance on Art Day was, a, was superb, beating a top-notch runner-up in Tanawa with two classic winners, Hurricane Lane and Adayar, in third and fourth. Yes, he was a surprise winner, but he's won three Group 1s in Germany, and he produced a tremendous finish to win at the uh, Art meeting. Now, the ground there was described as heavy, and it's true to say that probably his best form has come with some cut in the ground. He has won once on good ground in Germany, and he's won four times on good to soft ground. There is rain forecast on the watered ground at Ascot later on Friday evening, so I'm just beginning to wonder whether the conditions might not be too bad for this horse. And uh, at double-figure odds, you know, he looks a bit of value to me. I think they know exactly what they're doing. They've got a very good horse, and German horses are often underestimated, yet they've won two, uh, two uh, King Georges in the last 10 years with Novelist and Dane Dream. So I think I'm just going to go for him with uh, Mishrif, possibly the big danger. He was a bit unlucky in the Coral Eclipse last time, a brilliant winner of the Javon International over a mile and two firms two firms at York last summer. He has won the Dubai Shima Classic over a mile and a half. He just looked as though slightly outstayed by a day off in this race last year. And that's, that's really just a little bit of a question mark for me uh, in a race that's likely to be run at a good gallop because, uh, as I say, most of these runners really get the trip well. What about um, Frankie and Emily Upjohn? Up, I mean, he's got a point to prove there, hasn't he? Yes, you could say he's seeking a bit of redemption because it all went a bit wrong in the Oaks, didn't it? Mm. And uh, I don't suppose you could have done much about the bad start. She just stumbled, leaving the starting stalls there, so it was on the back foot. And then he did come very wide up the home straight, whereas Ryan Moore had a much more straightforward run through on Tuesday. 
So Emily Upjohn was possibly an unlucky loser for sure at Epsom. Didn't get the, the best of runs around. She's a, a fantastic filly. Frankie will be certainly looking for a clear run round and uh, you know he'll be looking to redeem himself, I suppose, after a bad run of rides. Uh, things haven't gone right for him overall. He's lost the ride on Stradivarius and the Goodwood Cup on Tuesday. So, you know, he'll be looking for some results. And she may well be uh, talented enough. I just, as I say, question the quality of the form and that of the derby. I thought Desert Crown was just imperious in the derby and that the others were really just chasing home a really superior horse, you know. So, But it's a great race, Aidy. Really yeah. looking forward to it. So, at the bottom line, then, is you fancy the German reader? Well, I just think that he's been a bit underestimated, to be honest. Yeah. And it may well be that they've got Paris on their agenda, the main the main priority. But he did uh, improve dramatically from his first run this season to win a Group 2 the other day at Hamburg. So, he's coming into this race probably hitting some kind of peak form. And, uh, <coughs> you know... People will say, well, he was such a shot winner, was it a freak when he won the arc? But I don't think so. I think he's a good horse. Mm. OK, then, Simon, well, thank you very much for that. Let's uh, let's hope we have a good race, and I'm sure we will. I'm going for Mishref sure because so. I backed okay, him last time, and um, we'll see how we go. Thank you, Simon. You're a star. Well, there you have it. All the experts, all the tips. All we need now is all the winners, isn't it? So, thank you for joining us on the racing show here on Three Valleys Radio. We'll be back at the usual time uh, next week, same time, same station, when hopefully we'll have a few more winners for you and some new guests. So, in the meantime, thank you for joining us. This is A.D. Hopper saying bye for now. Have a good week. (laughs) 